So today I'm going to be talking about one of the most powerful uh, concepts I've come across recently to help me to understand how to play drums at a higher level, how to progress and play like some of my favorite drummers of all time. It's a really simple concept, but when you apply it, it changes, literally changes everything. And it's to do with phrasing, how you can sound more musical than you've ever sounded before, how you can basically break down and understand almost any type of vocabulary that you've ever heard, and how you can do that in a simple way and make it methodical, practical, and just turn it into a system that you can literally like build into and embed into your practice on a daily basis for till the day you die. So that's a big offer for a single podcast, but I'm, I'm not going to be obviously giving you the exact full breakdown of every detail, but I will be giving you a strong 10,000 foot overview of exactly how it works. So you've got a bit of a big picture understanding and you can start applying that in your drums starting today. This is a bit of a long journey for me, this one. Like, I think the main... I've been playing along to records my whole life. I've just been obsessed with it. I was going over a bunch of drummers that have influenced me today, and I've hit over, like, 50 different drummers. Um, just off the top of my head, different bands that I've listened to, albums that have really influenced me. And I was putting them all down. I realised, like, how many drummers that we don't actually know the names of properly um, but have a massive influence in our lives. And obviously, playing along to records and playing loads of tunes gives you an organic introduction to the style of playing of any instrument that you want to learn do you know what I mean so that study gives you that grounding it gives you that understanding of when to say what if you're really listening and you start to get phrases and ideas and concepts down and their application that so that that like I just want to say everybody on this uh listening to this will probably have a good understanding of that concept right or at least a you know, a starting point. This isn't like something that's going to be new to you. So this isn't what this podcast is about, but I just want to iterate that that's so important, no matter where you're at in your drumming, to come back to listening to records, to understanding where things should be applied through organic application, assimilated approach to basically using the vocabulary you've developed. But yeah, if you basically, to get to the point where you can play really unbelievable phrasing and challenging sort of licks and combinations that sound amazing and really beautiful and really challenging and creative. We have to break things down. We can't just be organic and natural all the time. We have to literally go back in and rebuild stuff from the foundation up. I say to students often, like, what is a foundation essentially in real life? What is it really? And I try to help people understand it's the opportunity to build higher again, to, to expand your reach. If you don't build a strong foundation out first underground and build that strong foundation that there is no there is no more extra house without it falling down. So our foundation will our, our level of skill will only stretch as far as our foundation is uh, strong and and the, the breadth that we have within that foundation. As well as the depth. Right. So essentially what we need to do is take apart phrases into small building blocks. So for me, the process of learning any or acquiring any new vocabulary starts with building blocks. Once you get your building blocks down, it's putting those building blocks into, in, like, into phrases and combinations. Then it's turning those combinations into a forced flow scenario where you create solos out of them and you practice intentionally moving between different phrases to create bigger phrases and songs and sections. 
And then once we understand that, we can start to improvise properly. We can start to let go entirely of all forms and structures and play on the, you know, play on the fly and just let it out. So that's like a big picture overview of, for what I believe to be now, the real major process that we need to go through to get from literally not knowing what we're doing in a given topic to flowing as if we've been doing it our whole lives. But when I talk about building blocks, what I'm really talking about here is something I learned from studying with TDSC, or with the drum set coach, um, is about the concept of solo cells, which was uh, taught to Henrique by Dave Weckl, actually. It was the first time he came across it. And the concept of solo cells are that we break things down into threes, fours. I also heard about this from Matt Garska, funnily enough, as well. It's like all the big guys talk about this. And, you know, where did they get it from? You know, like, it's funny, like, it just could pass down, passes down the line. But Dave Weckl was talking about this. Well, Gary Chafee was talking about this. And Gary Chafee was probably one of the, you know, the, orig the originators of the ideas because he was the one who came up with this uh, original linear system, right? Um, but who knows? I'm not, I'm not entirely certain who, have, who came up with that concept first. I would imagine it probably would be Gary Chafee. Um, so this isn't everything we're talking about. I'm going get, to get into a little more detail about this because there's another big picture view which relates to Alan Dawson's method of using music. And so Gary Chester did this as well. But what I want to talk about is just the concept that we break down things down into small pieces. We've got three, even a two, right? A two phrase, two notes, a three note phrase, a four note phrase, a five note phrase, all the way up to as far as you want to go, right? I mean, generally speaking, all phrases past technically past sort of like four or five, you could, you could, you could pass it by the time you get to four, let's say you could build almost every other phrase out of those first pieces. Right. But, or you can intentionally create phrases for each one and then start building, like putting those into building blocks together. So for example, a nine and a four is now suddenly going to be a 13 stroke idea. Right. And you could turn that into one individual building block, depending on the styles and the phrases that were coming up in the music you were playing. The concept is, though, for me, is like the concept of emphasis. Like if it's a 13 note phrase, what we're really trying to talk about here is there's an emphasis at the one of the 13. Um, and then you can play with the phrasing within it to determine like micro phrases inside that. And if I'm getting like a three or four um, put together, I've now got a seven note phrase, right? Da 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 right and then I could chuck a two on the end of that and I've got a phrase da 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 right I've got a phrase that's going to fit into a four four bar why because two sevens plus two is is sixteen right so that's a semi quaver little phrase there um. Now, this has changed my life understanding this properly because now I hear all these guys doing these linear crazy things, all these really interesting grooves and stuff, and I just hear little phrases, little blocks put together to create a phrase, right? Little little tiny little blocks placed together in a fluid way given their particular vocabulary. Now, what's interesting about this is you can do really simple phrasing for each individual block at first and work different permutations to be able to put your foot, hand, or whatever it is you're working on, or rudiment, in various places within that phrase, within that three-note phrase. So you can kind of permutate the accent, essentially, within that three-note phrase to the second note, to the last note, as well as the first, right? So, and uh, if, you, if you do that, you get to take it to the next level where you're not just doing the obvious thing of accenting just the first note and emphasizing the first note um, 
all the time, but you can now fluidly put accents in different places within those, those mini phrases and keep it interesting. That's for more advanced study, right? So anyway, just the concept of understanding this, you can start to hear how we can get, you heard that, that three note with the four note phrase, three note with the four note, and then a two on the end. Now that starts to sound like music, doesn't it, right? Right. So, you know, almost anything that we listen to in music, in fact, everything we listen to in music, and I hate to say this because I was never a fan of maths at, second, uh, at secondary school or ever in my life, it is mathematical at its core. Everything can be broken down mathematically. However, the expression of that comes down to the, the human soul, the emotion, the appropriateness of when to play something it comes down to that sensitivity, that empathy, that connection to the music, right? So in order, and I always did this actually, it's funny, the one thing in maths I actually liked over the years, <laughs> right, was, was patterns. I always enjoyed patterns. I, I liked finding out all the different variations of how blocks could be fit together. For some reason that excited me. I don't know how come. Everything else in maths I wasn't into. So if you can get this concept, what it really is, is just the simple aspect of maths. It's like, how many ways can I put these blocks together? It's like playing with Lego. You know what I mean? It's a creative process. It's creative mathematics, right? We're finding all the different variations. We're exploring, but in a methodical way so that we can like find new things that haven't been found before. That for me is one of the easiest ways to be creative. If you can break things down to their smaller pieces, explore those smaller pieces and how they can be structured and reorganized, you can start to find phrases that you never would have heard before. Um, and, you know, it can be very hard to just find those things and just fall on them. I th but if you have a system like this where you're exploring in small solo cells and you're, and you're playing with those solo cells and coming up with your own variations of them after you've got a simple basis, like a foundation of just simple phrases, um, you now are starting to develop a personal style and you can learn how to include that into musical phrasing. All right. Now, of course, at the moment, I'm talking about solo cells like you play every note. Of course, we've also got to take into consideration that inside of a three note solo cell, there could be an empty space. All right. So, you know, this isn't just to account for, you know, our oh, three note solo cell must be all three notes played. I'm trying to say that we've got to think of things in terms of small blocks of phrasing and how those small blocks are understood. Or, or interpreted changes the way the phrase is sounded and the, and also the way that it um you know represents the music the way it captures people's emotion um you know space or not space is depends on what the song's asking right now i can't go into all of that stuff in one podcast because that's just going to be a crazy train journey into um into three hour conversation but the truth is that you know, I don't I don't want anyone to get into a headspace with this where they become too, too math mathematical and start thinking that like numbers are everything. You know, of course, they are an incredibly powerful aspect of learning and dissecting and breaking down new ideas or coming up with new concepts and combinations. But they are not the end result we're looking for. That's that's like a stepping stone that allows us to assimilate and create new things. The outcome we're looking for is actual flow. We're trying to move towards a place where we forget about all of that stuff we did. And it just becomes a natural phrase in our body that when we think of it, when we hear it, we say it through and it just comes out naturally. Right. 
So how do you achieve that? As I was saying earlier, once you've built those phrases up, you start to methodically work through combinations of those phrases um, until you can, you know, and, and basically the way I like to do it now, based on what I've studied, is I, I put a pin in this earlier, the Alan Dawson system, is to take any of those little key phrases and start to try and work them into musical phrases over music. So like singing, so I'll sing a phrase and then I try to follow that phrase with my hands, right, around the kit as well. That's part of what directs and um, dictates my orchestration choices quite often and also my dynamic choices. So what's the emotional value here? What's the melodic um, intention of the phrase? Where's it coming from? What's the feeling I'm trying to generate? You know, and I, I'm not thinking about this logically. I'm feeling it. I'm trying to connect to what the song's telling me directly. You know, not going, hmm, I think he played that note there in Bar of Two because he wanted to create a sense of anticipation. I'm not doing that, obviously, in the moment. But if I sat down and dissected it and tried to explain to someone, I would probably say that, right? The truth is, though, in the moment, you're not thinking about that at all. You're just feeling. You're just trying to connect directly with the message of the music through your heart. Like, actually just feel it completely and, you know, really listen with everything you've got try and capture and really understand what was the intention of the player? Where were they coming from? What were they feeling? And so everything that we do ends up being about manifesting and supporting that message and, and creating as much of a connection in the band as possible and uniting uh, the band in that message so that it's real and it's connected for the audience and creating your own creative flair in an ideal world, having your own voice in that where you're giving something to the, the, to the music that, it wouldn't be complete without, you know what I mean? Like it just, that's all, all the greatest drummers of all time did. They just added their own edge to the song that if you took it away, the song just wouldn't be complete anymore. Yet that was never there in the first place. Quite often these songs were written on a guitar by some lead singer or, you know, guitar players just having a jam around their house and, they, and then the drummer turns up later quite often and then when they overlay it, it just changes the whole song, you know it still captures that energy, still captures the meaning, the purpose, the intention, but it just takes it to a whole new level, right? So when I'm running through songs, I'm, I'm thinking of that now, and I'm trying to subconsciously apply a lot of the phrasing that I've been learning, or at the very least, I'm consciously first applying the phrasing, and then later becoming subconscious, depending on how deep that information has gone into my nervous system, you know, into my subconscious. So you know, at first I'm, I quite often take phrases I've just been learning and I'll play them on the song over and over, completely out of context, just trying to get them to fit as comfortably as I can in, in an environment where there's a time feel, all right? Because I think that um, people have, have, in my opinion, people underestimate how important it is to just spend time jamming and soloing so that you can play a feel naturally. You want to be overqualified for the job, right? Because it's such a sudden thing, it comes and goes, that drum fill, right? You can't just kind of like practice that once in a while. You need to commit to playing solo uh, combinations and flowing and phrasing, you know, flowing with phrases and stuff like that. At, at least an equal level is what you do on your grooving so that when it comes up, it can come out naturally and, and happen, right? So... <clears throat> So yeah, that's one way, obviously, of, of exploring is to just get straight into music is one of my favorite ways of doing it. Get straight into music, really connect to the song, find phrases where you can start at first, like just superimpose what you're doing over the top. I call it the glorified metronome in, in honor of uh, John Riley. All right, that's one of his three, his three things he talks about. I call it rig. Replicate, 
interpret and glorified metronome. Replicators play exactly what you hear on the record. Interpreters, do your own version, but make it sound fantastic as if you were hired to do the record. And glorified metronome, right? Play, play as if the, the track was just basically a metronome for your own, you know, just for you to work over, right? So you don't worry too much about what they're doing and you're focused on just mastering that skill that you've been developing, that phrasing skill, whatever, and putting it in new context. Anyway, so once you're getting to the point where those phrases are something as singable, you can put those phrases to follow a bass line, follow you know a guitar line, follow a vocal line, and you can do it without tripping up over yourself, and it feels easy and it's effortless, and you can flow in and out of grooves and all of that stuff. You're set, right? But there is another alternative for how to you, you can actually build up to that, and I find it this incredibly effective too. Because here's the thing, right? Every song has a limited amount of phrases in it. Um, I used to play entire albums uh, in one sitting all the time back in the day when we'd, have, we'd get is like one disc from HMV. These days we've got like music everywhere, but I used to just play one album over and over and over and over and over again. Um, and, uh, you know, quite often we'd just sit there, jam the whole album through and try to apply the things I'd been learning to the entire album, right? But here's the thing. That's quite an expansive approach. So you're starting to learn how to apply what you've been learning into multiple phrasing, which is great. But there is an alternative, and that's the Gary Chester Allen Dawson systems of using books like Syncopation. Um, many people know about this, but it's like the back of the book around page 37, I think it is. There's like eight exercises where you can, it's just like insane amounts of variation of phrasing, which is, and, and it's all incredibly musical. It was based on jazz at the time. And a lot of our phrasing we hear today is based on jazz. So if you understand and can work with those phrasings, you're probably going to be able to play, be able to play just about any phrase that comes up in a musical environment, right? And you can double time and half time the phrasing in there. All right. And then you've got uh, Gary Chester's New Breed, which is full of very modern um, semi-quaver based phrasing. Right. There's a lot of stuff in there that's more to do with phrasing that's built out, out of 16th notes as opposed to um, in syncopation, where it's mostly modeled on eighth notes um, uh, or quavers and dotted quavers and things like that. Right. So um, to go even further, you can get the, the four, modern reading text in 4-4 by Louis Belson, which is ridiculously thorough. Right. It's got like everything in it, pretty much, <laughs> apart from quintuplets and septuplets. Right. So if you want to go that far, you can then start pulling out like Henrik Delmeida's book, Polyrhythmic Possibilities, or Gary Chafee's Rhythm and Meter book, right? Rhythm and Meter Patterns. These books then start going into like all the phrasing possibilities in quintuplets and, and septuplets and, and you know, demi-semiquavers and stuff like that, 30-second notes. And now you've got like an insane amount of phrasing options that you can draw from to basically take any small number of patterns that you've previously been working on and find an infinite amount of possibilities of how they can be combined to play actual musical phrases. And what I love, I love about this concept, and I really understand deeply now why they did this, was to, to infuse in any student as quickly as possible a massive range of phrasing possibilities so that they could adapt to almost any musical environment very quickly and naturally, physically, because they will have conditioned in the ability to work with phrasing rather than just mechanically laying out, you know, a few patterns. You know, we're trying to get to a point where we're actually applying this stuff in musical context, like as directly as possible. So the building process is really about getting those building blocks, as I said, getting the basics there. 
starting to find combinations of how they work together. Right, okay, cool. Now I've got that done. I can start to see some some flowing phrases that are appearing. Now I can create some solos that fit exactly all the same. They're exactly the same, like combinations of those phrases that I put together just to build in a bunch of phrasing variations, you know, learning to lead with the right, lead with the left, and, you know, getting resolution points sorted out. Then I can start applying that in musical context. So this kind of comes back to my gum system, right? And a lot of what I'm talking about here, I learned from from going through these courses I talked to you about. Um, but also it kind of comes from my own um, insane approach to playing drums, right? Because gum, for me, G-U-M-M, get, get it, use it, mix it music, is all about getting ideas, harvesting them, using them, creatively mixing them up into combinations and then putting them over music like it's always got to come back to playing and applying in musical context and my biggest recommendation for all students i teach actually is to start playing to music from the beginning the moment you've got building blocks put them over music once you've got building blocks moving into phrases play them over music once you've got you know what i mean once you've got phrases happening and you can turn them into actual musical sections Put it over music. Just keep putting stuff over music, right? That's my belief because if I can put something over music, then I've subconsciously you know, assimilated it. It's become a natural part of my playing. If I do not do that, right, I can get to the very end of this whole process. I've got all these beautiful phrases I can play, all these combinations and everything, and I can't use a single one of them in musical context because I haven't understood how to apply them to a time feel. I don't get it, right? I haven't got the feeling for it. I don't understand it. I don't, you know what I mean? I don't... I don't get where that should have landed in musical context, right? It's another reason why it's essential, in my opinion, when you are in the building blocks phase, to keep time somewhere, right? Have a left foot holding, a, you know, the downbeat, hold a click, you know, whatever. Um, or have a timekeeping mechanism somewhere. At the very least, bob your head, right? <laughs> have a, get a metronome going. Get something going so that you understand the downbeat, you understand the phrasing, where it's landing in context with the subdivisions you're working with or whatever it is you're doing. That you are 100% aware of the placement of the phrase against the downbeat. Because if we don't understand where we are against the downbeat, we cannot connect what we're doing to musical environments. It's impossible, right? So, yeah, so I've got very passionate... <laughs> I hope some of you guys out there listening get some value from this one. It's pretty extensive. We've got 21 minutes. This is long for me. Long for me. Um, but this is a really big topic for me. I could go for hours on this stuff. I'm, this is so deeply laced into everything I teach. Um, you know, every course, every breakdown, everything I do, I'm always bringing it back to this, these four steps and how they must be applied at every step of the game for us to be able to really get this drumming thing. Right. And, and not not only that, but also like be able to enjoy the journey. And then finally, as a result of that, not only enjoy the journey and, and get results, but like, you know, become a character, become have some personality. You know what I mean? Have your own stamp on things and have something to offer to the community that's a little different because you're not just doing what you're taught all the time. You're you're finding ways to be creative and find your own voice in the mix of this and reinterpret and play with the ideas and things you were given from the masters through your own studies or you know through working through these kind of teaching materials so i hope this inspires you and gives you some things to think about today that you can readily apply to your drumming you know start to simplify things just think okay what kind of language or musical style do i want to learn and what idiosyncratic or little pieces can i break down out of that and start to work into a style you know how can i pull that apart and say okay 
you know, what three note patterns, you know, or maybe, maybe for example, you're studying your rudiments, right? And you can start to think of your rudiments as like four note patterns, three note patterns, six note patterns, five note patterns. You can turn any rudiment into a five note pattern just by adding a bass drum at the end of it or the beginning of it or in the middle of it or wherever, right? Wherever sounds good to you, you can, or you can just add an extra, extra hand hit somewhere. Do you know what I mean? And completely mess the rudiment up a little bit to just to create that extra device that will allow you to play that part of a phrase. This has been crucial for me, like honestly, just understanding this one concept has allowed me to rapidly improve. And I'm so grateful to Henrik Dolmeida for um, introducing me to this concept. Um, I'll be forever grateful for, to him and his his training that I've had with him. It's been amazing. Um, so yeah, you know, worth checking out uh, Henrik. It's worth um, looking into those guys and uh, seeing what they're up to because, you know, if you're an advanced drummer and you want to take it to like pro level, there's nobody I would recommend more, you know, um, you know, definitely without a doubt. And uh, yeah, if you're interested in ever catching up with me personally and you want to learn some stuff with me, come over to infinitydrumming.com and, you know, drop us a line and uh, you can go over there, grab a free drum lesson, actually, 20 minute free lesson. Um, anytime you like, just go into there, go go click on the, I think, I think it even says something like free lesson on the web page. You just click on the link, it'll open up into a, like a calendar, grab yourself a free lesson on there, come and hang out with me, get to know me a little bit. I have no expectation from people on a free lesson. It's just literally like just to get to know each other, help you out, see if I can help you, you know, get the result you've been looking for. If you've been struggling with drums and you're not quite getting the progress that you are hoping for, you don't understand maybe, or maybe you've been working through some of these podcasts and you just think there's a concept in that I really got value from. I just don't know how to get it. I don't know how to use it in my own life and I could do with a bit of a hand. Just come and reach out, you know, come and get a free lesson with me. Let's hang out. Let's get to know each other and let me give you some value so that you can just go ahead and use that information. And, you know, obviously if it's for you and you want to stick around and have lessons and get, you know, take that journey further, that's, that's wonderful, but it's not essential. I'm not here just to, you know, just to get sales. I've got students already. It's not like a, you know what I mean? I'm not all about just getting what I can out of people. Just come and hang out and let's, let me help you. Do you know what I mean? If I've got space and I've got time, I'm always happy to help people out and move people down the, down the line, down the journey towards becoming the drummer that they always wanted to be. I'm no, you know, no, um, stranger to financial challenge either, you know, so I just, I just really want to help people wherever I can. Um, anyone who knows my story knows that, you know, my, the only reason I had drum lessons in the first place was because it was at secondary school available for free because my family couldn't afford it. So, you know, I like to give back where I can, you know what I mean? I can, I can afford lessons now and I, I, I ha I'm happy to pay for lessons because I love reaching out to coaches and, and paying them for their expertise, but I realize it's not everyone's position to be able to even consider it. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, so just reach out, you know, reach out and I'll, I'm, I will help you regardless and do my best to support you as you're taking this journey forward as a drummer to get all the, you know, to move forward, be that next creative voice in the world and understand these concepts and apply them in your own life so you can get that, you know, creative freedom that you've been you know, dreaming of. Um, so, yeah, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Keep rocking. Uh, keep enjoying your drums and, uh, you know, keep being being awesome. Because just by being a drummer and, and pursuing the path and listening to podcasts and caring enough to learn about this stuff and use your spare time to spend 26 minutes listening to my crazy voice, we've got a lot in common. Um, and you are a legend just for, for that alone, just for your commitment to learning, for your commitment to applying uh, this information and, and uh, 
you know, advancing and taking care of this heritage of drumming that we all share. I think it's an incredible privilege and um, it's something deeply in my mind, as you know, probably no spiritual. So I just say I, I honour you for, for that. You know what I mean? Anyway, I'll catch you in the next episode. I'm rambling. I'm going to go. I'll see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.